0: Father in heaven, thank you so much that we have come to another Sabbath. Thank you, Lord, for seeing us safely through the week. Thank you, Father, that we can come and study your word. And I just pray that you would please grace us with thy presence. Please be with us. Speak to our hearts with your spirit, Lord. Teach us with the words that we're about to read from your word that it might be truth that will be written upon our hearts. Transform us. We pray into your image now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our study for this evening, one of the parables as we are continuing, is entitled The Two Worshippers. And before we get into the actual parable itself, as you have already realized many times, Jesus gives a background as to why he is about to expound a parable to the people. What is he addressing this time? What is he trying to look at to teach us and, of course, the people back then as well? Let's go to our first text in Luke 18 and verse 9. The Bible says, "...and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others." So there was a certain group of people that trusted to themselves. What does that mean? They thought that they were righteous. They thought themselves in a right relationship with God and probably considered themselves perfect and didn't need any help. But you see, it wasn't only that, but what sort of attitude did they have as well? They despised others. They, they Not only did they look at themselves in such a good and righteous and perfect light, but they also viewed others in a very negative light. They put others down. And so as they compared themselves to other people, they looked down on them and considered them probably filthy, wretched, full of sin. They themselves were self-righteous and what we called call bigoted. So with that understanding, let's let's jump now into the parable itself. Luke 18 and verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. So who are the two characters that we see here in this parable? One a Pharisee, the other is a publican. Now, who would the Pharisees represent today? They are the religious people. They are the religious leaders. They are the ones that are in the church, or could we say even, these are the ones that have grown up in church all their lives. They are the elders, the pastors, the deacons, the deaconesses, the the leaders that lead out, and those that are just present every week in church, the Pharisees. But how about the second group of people that is mentioned here, the publican? Who are they? Well, the publican is simply a tax collector. And in those days, tax collectors were not regarded as good people, even if you were a Jew, even if you, you were a Hebrew or, or an Israelite. Look at how people looked at the tax collectors. And it's not just a look. This really was, in a sense, they really were bad people. But look at what the Bible says, Matthew 18 and verse 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Do you see that? The publican is put in the same category as a heathen man, someone that doesn't believe in God, someone that doesn't follow Jesus. They're heathen, they don't have no religion, right? So a pagan person, a Gentile. So The publican was not viewed as a good person in those days. They were, even if you had a religion, even if you were Israelite, even if you were Jew, you were considered irreligious. And the most famous of all the publicans out there that we see in the Bible, his name was Zacchaeus. And he was so rich, but yet people did not even want to go to his house to eat with him, to socialize with him. He was filthy. He was a bad man. No one wanted to hang out with publicans. All tax collectors were dishonest people. So we see that there are two characters highlighted here in this parable, okay? So there's the religious person, the Pharisee, he's in church every week, a religious leader, and then there's the publican who's a dishonest man, he's considered heathen. He might as well have no religion, okay? And so let's now continue, let's go back to Luke chapter 18, and let's see what is mentioned next. Verse 11 to 12, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. So now the parable focuses on the Pharisee, the religious man. And what do we understand about this? Pharisee, what does he do? He fasts twice a week. The Bible says, "What's fasting? Well, you don't eat that day, right? But not only does he doesn't eat that day, he does it twice a week. He does it twice in a week. He must have been a really, really temperate person, a really good person, that he could abstain from eating things and um, deny his appetite twice a week." not just one meal, I believe it was 24 hours, and they did it twice a week, two days of the seven days of the week. They were fasting. So they must not have had any problem with obesity. You know, whatever they ate the other five days, they would have lost it by, by staying away from food the other two days of the week, and I don't think they did it two days in a row, but maybe it was a Monday and then a Thursday, right? So. This guy was fasting twice a week. This person must have been someone who was very religious, so to speak. Oh, he must have loved God. But we know that this Pharisee is not cast in a good light. But what else do we understand about this guy? All right. So he must have been religious in a sense, what? Fasting, because you see, fasting in the Bible is put together with prayer as well. So, you know, fast and pray, fast and pray he must have been some, at least from the external, um, external viewpoint, he must have been someone that was good. Someone that was viewed in a very good light, for at least from all the other Jews, or all the other Israelites that lived there, right? But what else? You see, everything the Bible says, that he, he, he gives tithe of all that he possesses. So everything that he has, he gives 10% back to God. He's a faithful tithe payer. He gives tithes of everything. He's so meticulous, even to the very penny. I want to show you, look at how the tithe, uh, the, the Pharisees tithed, okay? Let me show you a text found in Luke 11 and verse 42. How did the Pharisees, how did they tithe? How meticulous were they? But woe unto you, Pharisees. So look, it wasn't good, okay? It's not Jesus' discouraging tithe paying. But look at the Pharisees. How did they tithe? You tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done and and not to leave the other undone. So look, the Pharisees even tithed Herbs, they and they tithe leaves. You know, herbs are a little plants, right? Then they're, they're not big vegetables. They're not potatoes, right? They tithe even the little leaves of the herbs. They were so meticulous in following God. But look at what Jesus said. I'm not sure if you saw this here. He says, These ought ye to have done. So he's not saying tithing is bad and and you shouldn't be meticulous about tithing. No. He says, This is something good that you should do, but not to leave also the other undone, which is what? Well, uh, I mean, I guess it's the other as well, uh, other way around, right? But what were they missing? They were missing the love of God. They were missing the very motivation as to why they did these things. God, I love you, and so I want to give back my tithe to you. This is why I'm so careful. I love you. But they were doing this out of form. They were doing this out of habit. This was done because it was a tradition, not because they really loved God. But you know, friends, what else do we understand about the Pharisee from the parable? Okay, so do you remember what he said? He said what? Thank God I'm not like all these other people. And what were they? Extortioners, unjust, adulterer. Now what's an extortioner? Someone that cheats somebody, right? So this person must have been an honest person. And, you know, was he lying about who he was? God, I'm not an extortioner. Um, he, he probably was being honest. God, I really do tell the truth. I'm not a liar. And he says, I'm not unjust, I'm not an adulterer. And do you think he really was lying about it? Was he going out and and sleeping with other men's wives and he was just lying about it? No, probably he was being honest about it. God, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not lying and cheating people. So overall, from that perspective, he was a good person. He didn't cheat people he didn't commit adultery, he gave all his tithe, he fasted twice a week. From the external viewpoint, these people were perfect. They're untouchable. Their lives were blameless. So, all these things we find in the Pharisee are good qualities. Qualities that we ourselves should strive for. But what is the reason as to why it's Painted in a bad light, what was this Pharisee doing? Well, he was boasting. Is there anything wrong with boasting? Not really. I mean, he was telling the truth. God, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I'm not like all these bad people out there, right? He, he was boasting, but these things were true. I don't think the Pharisee was lying about his condition. But what was bad then? You see. The problem was he was comparing himself to all these other people, and that was the problem. Friends, what happens when you start comparing yourselves to others, especially for those that are worse than yourselves? You know, there's nothing wrong with comparing yourself to Jesus. We should, because that's a high aim, something that we can never reach without the help of Christ. You see, what happens when you put your focus on others that are worse than yourselves? You see all their imperfections, and then not only that, it makes you blind to the issues that you have in your own life. Issues that you might have in your character, like about having a hot temper or cursing, right? Or, or you know, this person wasn't lying or cheating, but he did other things, maybe Being lazy, right? So, you see, when we start comparing ourselves to these people, we begin to view ourselves in a better light. However, the Bible says that all have sinned. All have come short of God's glory. So when we tend to focus on other people, we tend to judge them. And that's what the parable was talking about when Jesus said, right, judging others, right? Judge them. But not only that, we think ourselves better. We don't take the time to look at the mirror of God's law and His Word and where He wants us to come up higher. Rather, we become self-satisfied with who we ourselves are at that level instead of continue to strive to walk in the Christian journey and be sanctified daily by God's Word and being in His presence. Look at what the publican did. In comparison to the Pharisee, Look at how the publican reacted. Luke 18 and verse 13. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, friends, this publican, he would not even look up to heaven. He would not even look to Jesus where he was. But he just simply looked down and he he smote upon his breast and cried out to God and asked him to be merciful to him. You see, this publican recognized that he was a sinner. He recognized all that he had done that was wrong. He could see where he had fallen short. He didn't look at anyone but himself. And he asked God for help. He cried out for forgiveness And what was the conclusion that Jesus gave after this publican cried out for help? Look at what the Bible says in the next verse. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, the Pharisee. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You see, friends, there is a problem with boasting. There is a problem with exalting yourself, because when you begin to do that, the way we do that is because we're comparing ourselves to everybody else. The Bible says that the publican went down to his house justified and not the Pharisee. God had heard his cry, his humble cry, and he had shown mercy upon him, and he had forgiven him. You know, friends, what does that word justified mean? It means to be innocent, to be righteous, to be free. Free from what? Free from sin. The publican went home righteous. But you know what the funny thing is? In verse 11, the Pharisee said, God, I am thankful that I'm not like these extortioners, the unjust, the unjust and adulterers. He thought, oh God, I must be just. I'm not like all these other people. The Pharisee had it in his mind that he was just, that he was perfect, that he was innocent. And you know why he thought like that? Because he was comparing himself. Comparing himself to everybody else. And not only that, he was exalting himself above everyone else and he looked down on them and he thought of himself so highly you know friends when you sit at the lowest seat it can only get better from there you can only go up but when you put yourself at the highest seat it can only go get worse because there's no way but no other way but down you know when the pharisee said that he was not like the publican what was he thinking in his mind he had all these thoughts of superiority he felt better because he found someone worse than himself. And you know friends, if we look hard enough, if we look hard enough out there in this world, we will always find someone dumber than ourselves. we always find someone slower than ourselves. We'll always find someone uglier than ourselves. We'll always find someone fatter than ourselves. We'll always find someone shorter than ourselves. You know friends, if we look hard enough, we can make ourselves always feel good. But you know, in 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 the same in one way, when it comes to physical, right, if you want to lose weight, do you look at the fat people? No. At least I don't. When, when I want to get some motivation, when I want to get in shape, when I want to get fit, I look at the, the guys with the six-pack, right? I look at those that are working out in the gym and how they got their bulky, big muscles, right? These are the people that motivate me. And you look at the fat people, what do I think? Oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. And I feel better, I I feel secure. Oh, they're they're size 40 waist, I'm only size 34, right? I'm not bad, you see? And what does that do? It makes me feel comfortable with where I'm at, and it doesn't make me realize that I need to put in the effort to get my life right, because even then, I'm still overweight. Do you see that? And so when we compare with people that are worse than ourselves, Now now translate that to the spiritual. We feel like we don't need to grow. We feel secure. We feel comfortable. We feel self-satisfied, even in our journey with Jesus, even in our walk with Christ. And this is the danger, friends, of focusing on others. When we look at others, especially their faults and their failures, we begin to think like the Pharisee. You need Jesus more than me. Oh, that tax collector needs Jesus more than me. I don't even know why they'd ever come to church. And we, we begin to say all sorts of these things, right? And because of this attitude, because of this focus that we have, we fail to see the problems in our own lives in where Jesus wants us to come up higher it can actually get to the point where we justify the bad that we do because we found someone else doing worse out there. We look for the bigger problem, the bigger sin in someone else's life to minimize our own problems and our own sins. And this is where we need to be careful, friends, because it makes us feel like we need Jesus less. However, What was the response of the publican? How did he respond? He would not even look to heaven. He had no pride in his heart whatsoever. His sin was obvious. What he had done was wrong. He knew it. Others knew it. That's why they stayed away from all these publicans, right? But yet, he would go to his house justified. Not because he was a sinner. Because he just simply cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, friends, what helps us to realize that we are sinners? How can we have the experience of the publican? How can we realize that we are sinners that we may humbly turn to Jesus? Well, let's go to a text: 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. The Bible says, Whoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Friends, Sin is what? The transgression of the law. When we break the law, we sin. And so the law is that which helps us to realize that we are sinners. The law is like the policeman that chases after you when you are speeding. When you've broken the law, when you've gone through a red light, he comes chasing after you. And he helps you to realize that you've done wrong. Now, of course, the law from God's Word doesn't come chasing after us, right? So, why is this law so important? What else is it compared to us? James one to 23-25 For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of this the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Friends, did you see what the passage says here? It says that the law is like a mirror. And we have to look at the law. Because the law will give us a reflection, a true reflection of what we look at and of course, of ourselves. It helps us to see our defects. It helps us to see our shortcomings. It helps us to see our failures, and this is important. The only question then we have to ask ourselves, friends, is what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Are you spending so much time looking at people that you don't look at the law, the mirror, at Jesus? where we see his perfect character and we compare ourselves with him, and we realize, oh, I shouldn't be doing this and I shouldn't be doing that. Or we're looking at people and we're justifying ourselves. I'm glad I'm not like him. I'm glad I'm not like her. I'm glad I don't have a family like theirs. I don't, I'm glad I don't have children like theirs. You know, we can compare so much, right? But the problem is our focus is wrong. We're looking at the wrong thing. And you know, the funny thing here is the Pharisee is a religious person. He's a religious person. He should be looking at God's law every day, all day, day and night, like a pastor, right? I'm preaching to you. I'm preparing all these sermons. I should be looking at the Word of God a lot, isn't it? And it should be reflecting upon my heart, upon my life. Of all people, the Pharisee should be the most self-reflective of their own life because they should be looking at the mirror of God's law so much more than everybody out there, so much more than all their church members out there. But you see, friends, it's possible to be a Pharisee and not spend time with Jesus. It's possible to be a Christian all your life, but never look at the Bible. It's possible to go to church every single week and grow up in the church like that, but never know and never spend as much time in the mirror of God's law than other people out there. It's possible to be an elder, a pastor, a deacon, and not be spending time in the Word of God. And you might be asking, how is it possible? But it is possible, friends. It is. It's possible to just create sermons, to think about other people and what to say to them, but not think about what Jesus is trying to say to you, to soften your heart, to help you to see where you can come up higher. To try to cleanse you and to justify you and to sanctify you and to save you. You see, friends, what is our problem? The Bible describes the problem in our generation in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art what? Wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You see, friends, that's the problem. We are blind to our own condition. We don't know. We don't know. We don't have a true conception of who we are and of our wretchedness. But you see, friends, how can we come to this point of self-realization, where we realize that we actually need to change? You see, James said what? Whoever looks at the perfect law of liberty, but not only that, continues to look at it. That's where humility comes from, friends. Even when you are amongst other people, you have this humble opinion of yourself because you've not forgotten what the perfect law of liberty has shown you. Ben, you need a change. You need a change here. You need a change here. And you know, that's what we look at mirrors for, right? Fix our hair, fix our our face, and fix our clothes, right? We realize, God, I need help. But it's not just realizing at that point, but we continue, we realize continually, we've not forgotten that even when we are amongst sinners, when we're amongst the worst of the worst, the publicans and the, the, you know, all the, the bad people out there, we don't forget how much we need Jesus. Do you see that, friends? I believe that if we continue to look at the law, that we will not have time to look at other people. Or if we continue to look at the law and behold it and make it our priority, the way that we look at others will be different. Not, oh, I just read in the law that they shouldn't, I shouldn't do this, but oh, they're doing that as well. Let me go and tell them that. No, friends, we realize that I need so much help. We realize how in desperate need we are of Jesus. Our desire for Christ would grow deeper. Our desire for change and for a new heart would become more and more intense. The closer that we draw to Christ, the more sinful we will see ourselves. And the more of a humble opinion we would have of ourselves. We would have no time to look at others and to judge others. You see, too many of us, we're, we're madly rushing through life, and our focus is wrong. And so we look at people. We don't look at Jesus. We look at them to make ourselves feel better by comparing ourselves with them rather than looking to Jesus to make Him, help help Him, to uh, get Him, pardon me, to make us clean and make us whole. Looking and comparing ourselves to others is trying to be justified in the wrong way. True justification comes from Christ. Only He can make us clean. But looking at other people, it only makes us feel clean. And that's not true justification, friends. We gotta let Jesus do the cleansing. You know, friends, any person that's alive today has this one problem. It's called sin. In Romans chapter 7, 15, it says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. What I do, I actually don't allow it. And what I I, I want to do, I actually don't do it. What I hate, I keep doing it. We're all addicted to sin. We're all slaves to sin. I do what I don't want to do, and what I want to do, I don't do it. And it continues in verse 19. For the good that I would, what the good that I want to do, I don't do it. But the evil which I would not, the evil that I don't want to do, that I do. You know, Paul, he repeats it a second time, our addiction to sin. And what is the problem, friends? He concludes in verse 20. Now, if I do that, I would not. If I do what I don't want to do, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. You know, friends, that's the problem. That is the biggest issue. It's sin dwelling in us. We need Jesus to justify us. We need Jesus to cleanse us. But the problem is we're too caught up with looking at others. We're too caught up focusing on our own lives. We're too caught up and we want to make a change, but we're not able to. And so the easy way out, friends, the easy way out is to justify ourselves by comparing ourselves to others. Many of us, we, we, we want to sleep early and wake up early, but we can't. We don't. We're not able to change. We want to change certain habits. We want to change our diet. We want to want to lose weight. We want to stop wasting our time watching movies. We want to stop smoking. Or we want to stop drinking and all, all, all these addictions. We've all violated our consciences at some point and we realize that we should change, but the change is not found in looking at other people, friends. The Pharisee, he he forgot. That he needed Jesus because he stopped looking at the mirror and started looking at people. He made himself feel better. What's wrong with looking at people? Everybody's a sinner. It's like being in prison and you find a prisoner worse than yourself. Ah, oh, you killed two people, I only killed one person. I'm trying to make yourself feel better, but we're still in the same predicament. We're still both in prison for life. What do we need to do today, friends? We've got to pause. We've got to pause. And this is what the Sabbath gives us. A pause in your week. A pause with the ability to reflect and look back. A pause. So that you can just think about your life and how far you've come or how far you haven't come. And not just to think about your life, because you get depressed. Look, we need to humble ourselves. But the Sabbath also gives us a time to refocus on Jesus. To to realize that our priorities are all messed up. We've got to pause. Yes, don't do any work. Don't go out and do your pleasure. Don't go and do the things that you normally do. Pause to think about where you're heading in life your relationship to Christ. To give Him a chance to maybe work upon your life again. To to make new goals for the following week. Self-improvement, we say, it from the worldly standpoint. But we know that only Jesus is the one that can help us, friends. And God, He doesn't leave us just there. He'll come over. And He'll take us up and He'll clean us from the inside to the out. A pause to realize I got to refocus on my daily devotions, daily Bible reading, so that the Bible can cleanse us, change our, our lives, our, our motives, our desires, our purposes. It helps us to have a true realization of ourselves. Then we would be like the publican and just look down and say, God, please be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, friends, no matter what you've been through this past week, no matter how life and the devil has knocked you down low, if you've made it to this point and you're hearing what I'm saying, we've got to praise God because he's saying, my son, my daughter, won't you come back? Why don't you repent? God, be merciful to me this past week. Don't get a whip out and just whip yourself the whole time. No. Yes, we've got to humble ourselves, but trust that God will justify us. That if we are reaching out even now, we can leave this time of study that we have together this evening justified. That we can be set in a right relationship with Jesus again. And that we can build from there. Not to go out in the next week only to be knocked down again, but that God can give us the strength to be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. For his strength is made perfect in weakness. For we can do all things through Jesus Christ. Yes, we can. We are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that he is able to give us. Friends, Jesus wants to cleanse you tonight. My only question is, do you realize what you need to be cleansed from? Do you have a proper self-realization? Or have you been looking at the wrong things this past week? I pray that God would stir our consciences, that he would stir our hearts and minds and help us to realize where we've fallen short, that we in humility may come to him this evening and say, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. Won't you pray with me this evening? Father in heaven, Lord, you know my sins. Oh, you know them all so well. You know all of our sins. But Father, I pray that you prick our hearts and our consciences this evening that we ourselves might understand our sins. We might realize how far short we've fallen. Lord, please help us. And I pray that you would justify us, that you would cleanse us, that you'd set us in a right relationship with you again this evening. Lord, please take our hearts. We cannot give it. Keep it pure for us, O Lord, for we cannot keep it pure for thee. Save us in spite of ourselves, our weak, unchristlike christlike selves, Lord, and lift us up into this rich and pure atmosphere of your love that we might be transformed into your image today. Father, please hear our humble cry. Please hear our prayers, that we might have the burden of sin lifted off from our shoulders this evening, and that we might have a joy and a peace and a love that only you can give us. Thank you, O Father, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.